Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental get squared away physical the podcast that'll help you get squared away all right we are back with episode i think we're on 47 brother 47 47. good lord where have we been well it's almost my age it's getting there it's getting close yeah how you doing man I'm doing all right. It's an interesting week here in in Wisconsin. It's 50 degrees one day and 20 degrees another day, and yeah. I don't know. Did you, did you see Mister? Uh, did you see Mister Biden's appointment to the nuclear, the head of the nuclear uh, power association or nuclear power secretary? No, it's you didn't not see a this? Homer Simpson, is it? Oh, uh, it's. Um, <clears throat> do you remember uh, what is that movie that? all the drag queens used to get dressed up to and go to downtown all the time. You remember that back in like the eighties or nineties, it was that drag queen movie. I, anyways, no, it sounds like a a Florida keys. Yeah, no. So it's, uh, so this, this gentleman is a flamboyantly gay, like, I guess sex sexual rights speaker or something that talks about like he's gotten up and done talks at colleges about like kinks and collar fetishes and dog stuff or animal stuff or I don't I have no this idea. In addition to the other dude dressed up like a yeah, lady, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Wow. Um, but, but I mean, he also is he's he 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 is the job like he is a nuclear scientist or whatever you would put in place so but it's just really interesting that um it's almost like instead of it's almost like affirmative action remember affirmative action from like the late 90s where it's like instead of looking for the best person for the job we're looking to fill you know the 9.9 white 2.2 black 1.1 hispanic or latino check all the boxes right like the supreme court you know requirements is got to be a female a black female yeah right like it's it's not who's the best for the job right which is just so odd to me i can't I can't think of thinking 
it's it's almost it's almost racist in in, a, in another way or sexist in a, in another way, right? It's like reverse sexism. Well, it's not reverse. It, it's literally racism. Yeah, and sexism. Yeah, but you know they're virtue signaling as it's supposed to be right now. Is right. there such a thing as right racism and wrong racism? It's so weird. Like, why? I mean, why wouldn't we? I guess you're going to know the person for a job like that. So you really couldn't do it like faceless and nameless. But I mean, you almost you almost want to, like, make it so that you have to read credentials and read a biography um, that is zero has zero sexual connotation um, and zero race set to it and then pick the best person for the job and then oh look they're a you know transsexual black male oh great perfect who cares like they're the best for the job that's who we picked i don't give a shit what there are yeah yeah it's they're trying to cater to that crowd i mean they got the midterms coming up and uh um i guarantee i'm starting to hear a little bit of murmurs about you know now they're going to try to get the asian vote because they didn't care about it before well, now they're starting to care. So now you're going to see some pro-Asian stuff start floating around. That's interesting. What What does pro-Asian propaganda look like? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's uh, getting rid of the, the Ivy League, you know, stipulations where they, you know, pretty much if you're Asian, they make it hard for you to get in. You know, your doc points on your test, incoming test. So I don't know. I really have no clue. That's so weird. Like. I, I guess I don't know that culture enough to understand. Right. And saying Asia is such a it's such a broad, such a broad culture sweep, I guess. Like the Korean culture is very different than the Filipino culture, which is very different than the Vietnamese culture, which is very different from the Chinese culture. Yeah. Right. Like to be able to try to culturally uh, appease that large of a group of people, I just it just feel like it's impossible. Yeah. And you know how it started. This past week, they they basically shoved a bunch of a homeless community right in the middle of Chinatown in San Francisco. Oh. So, obviously, you're going to have some, you know, dudes that are mentally jacked up. Yes. Well, one dude basically took a pipe and smacked an old Asian lady in the head. And what's the first thing they go to is they said, oh, this is, a, you know, it's a hate crime. Not when really what it probably was with some dude was he's just mentally screwed up. Yeah, he's mentally and ill. The first person he sees, he's gonna you know whack with a pipe. Yeah, and that's what what. And happened. he's in Chinatown, so exactly. it's not like the first person he sees is gonna be a middle-aged white male. Yeah, but it's wow. uh, I don't know. It's all setting up to be this this huge clown show, and and they're just pushing identity politics. And like I said, you're gonna see this. I think rise of, oh, there's Asian hate going on again. Then they're going to try to push the Asian lives matter. The only difference with Asians is that most Asians don't care. No, they don't play that at all. No, they, they, they have not been there. They don't play the victim mindset. They don't have the victim mindset. And to be able to, to be able to successfully achieve identity politics, the identity that you're placating to has to have a woe is me. Yeah, I um, victim mindset. They have to get behind it and say, "Oh yeah, you know, we have been persecuted. We have been persecuted. Yeah, we want some reparations, right?" So, yeah, you don't. That's not part of the Asian culture. I mean, it's not part of the Asian pride. So, it's one of my it's one of my top performing posts whenever I talk about it. But Epictetus two thousand years ago said, "You know, tell a man how he's been wronged enough times, and he'll start to believe it." Oh yeah, and it's and it's so true. And and we were talking. We we had friends. Um, acquaintances that we were talking to and she was a i don't remember what her degree was but her her college thesis program was she was she was native american and had native american blood in her and she wanted to show that um basically the trauma and damage from you know the 100 years when the white man basically you know killed or changed the entire native american population in the united states would would be handed down generation to generation to, de, to, de, to generation via dna um which they've shown in mice already that so they did these studies where they took these mice and they put them on a on a basically an electrical board and so they could shock their feet and they spritzed a smell in the air and they would shock their feet 
and they would do this enough times that the spritz of the of the chemical whatever it was i think it was citrus that they used um they would get these mice so trained that the spritz of citrus would cause elevated stress responses without even shocking their feet okay so it's basically yeah. like a, it's oh. basically like pavlov's dogs right yeah. it's conditioning it's mental conditioning it's basically yeah. the opposite of pavlov's dogs you know instead of the bell being a good thing the smell of citrus would you know cause a stress response they showed multiple generations after that the babies of those mice that had never been shocked they could still show an elevated stress response oh, really? from the citrus right and so I think her idea was using this research to then prove that trauma can be handed down generation to generation, um, even if that the, the next generation never experiences the trauma. Well, my my, my question, um, my question was, aren't you worried about giving a giant section of a population? basically a scapegoat, right? Like yeah. I can't achieve anything because of this. I I'm, I'm, you know, not able, I'm not able to kick alcoholism because my great, great grandfather was, you know, was, was traumatized or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, she had no answer, no answer. Like it, it's one of those things where, and, and this is one of my favorite sayings is like, if you're so worried about, can you, you don't ask, should you? And like, what, what of the, what are the damage of being able to put those two things together and prove that trauma is generational? What damage can come from that? And it's kind of like, it's, it's that whole, you know, victim mindset thing. Yeah. That's kind of funny because, uh, that's biblical too. You know that I did so, not know. Tell me in the Bible, it's, uh, it talks about the sins of a father passes on generation, generation. So basically until somebody decides to say, Hey, I'm going to break this, you know, this yeah. chain, it's yeah. just going to keep passing on and passing on like one of the. I think it refers to a lot as like anger. So if you got a, you know, an angry father, um, that's what happened in my lineage is that anger passes on, passes on until, you know, somebody breaks that. Well, and that makes perfect sense, right? That's nature and nurture, you know, yeah. the, the genes, Alcoholics, yep, the genes, abuse. right. The genes that make you, you know, if you want to talk about alcoholism, like they've basically narrowed down the genes that make it possible to be an alcoholic. It doesn't mean you're going to be an alcoholic, but it means it makes it, you know, a hundred times more likely or whatever that you're going to be an alcoholic. So if you have those genetics and you're raised in that household, so you have the nature and you have the nurture because you're raised in that household, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I totally understand, you know, if visualizing that as, as they're, you know, as they're, as they're living through the, the biblical times, right? Like they can see that they can see that, you know, John's dad's dad was an angry, you know, fly off the handle, beat his kids. And then John was, and then now John's son is right. Like we yeah. totally understand that. Yep. Until somebody breaks that cycle. Yeah. And you have to be, you know, and you have, to, it has to be a conscious change and man, conscious change is, is tough. Yeah. I mean, the, the more generational passes through the harder the work, the last person's got to do to yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. So yeah. Food for thought. Right. Um, so we have, a we have an interesting base to a podcast today. I'll let you, I will let you, uh, I'm just going to let you roll, man. It's, it's, it's late here. It's 642. I go to bed in an hour, so I'm not sure if y'all know, but you my, make it. my brain doesn't, my brain doesn't function this late. I'm going to, I'm going to pipe in with some info here or there, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll go, man. I mean, this is, uh, it's been a crazy week, uh, last Saturday, I uh, found out it was like about 6.30 our time, or not 6.30, I'm sorry, uh, 7.30 our time. And then my mom went to the hospital. So my mom lives in Hong Kong. And she's been talking the last three weeks about having uh, issues with her heart. You know, she referred to it as, you know, her heart is getting weaker. She's having harder, you know, time breathing. Um, you know, med medical over in a communist country is not that good. And she would talk about that quite a bit. Um, but I think basically what happened, she was admitted in the hospital within a half hour. She had, uh, she had passed of a heart attack. And, um, so yeah, so it's been a, it's been a crazy week and, uh, you know, I've been through, I've been through a lot of death, a lot of grievance, uh, starting since I was a child I watched my father die in front of me. And I just thought, you know, 
what really helped me kind of get through the first few days is um, getting squared away. And it kind of brought back a lot of memories of, you know, a friend of mine was, was killed and, you know, he died in my arms and, uh, you know, and I had lost a couple too uh, on deployment. Uh, one guy was trying to revive, we tried everything to revive him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's hard to explain, you know, uh, and I'd never want to say, oh, if you haven't been through it, you don't understand. I think that's why we talk about this stuff now. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, you know, death is, uh, is inevitable, right? Death and taxes. Yep. And it's something that, you know, you have to learn how to deal with. And then hopefully, you know, from what I'm talking about, uh, you know, getting squared away will help some people through that because, you know, one of my buddies was joking this week <coughs> saying, when you're in your twenties and thirties, you're going to weddings everybody's having kids but then when you start hitting you know the 40s and 50s and 60s guess what you're attending more funerals than you are at weddings so you know it's something we got to prepare for and uh you know everything that we've talked about you know being squared away you know mentally physically spiritually especially emotionally you know where we both have admitted we're weak at is um something you have to work on especially you know when the storms hit and the the biggest uh you know analogy or allegory you want to call it one of those two fits it but is is how you build your house you know you have four pillars right the four uh things we talked about spiritual mental mental physical and emotional and those are the four pillars that let's say you're in a house on an island and you have two choices you're gonna basically put footings down and you're gonna put those four pillars in solid concrete you know deep deep concrete or you have this other house that you build on the beach on the sand because what it's ideal it's not real it's ideal and it takes a lot less work and it's cheaper right so the thing is um you know being in wisconsin we go through storms at night you know i hear a lot of people i tend to sleep through storms for some reason yeah me too so they're almost peaceful yeah. Like I, the, I don't know the, what ca- it is. Something, something peaceful in the chaos. I have no idea why, but yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, and you're in a, in in a house, and the thunder's going, and it's rumbling, and you feel the house rock, right? You know, you know, you're getting rocked, but the house isn't getting taken down. Well, that's that's how I always picture. You know, every time uh, I've gone through a storm like that or a death, you know, dealing with it is, you know what? Um, if I take that time by myself to self reflect. Um, if I take that time to say, okay, what, you know, instead of feeling sorry for myself and, oh, what was me? Why did this happen? Um, I start going into what we'll talk about soon is, is gratitude. Yeah. You know, um, I'll, I'll get rocked. I literally feel like I get rocked, you know, emotionally and physically and mentally, but you know, I, I'm able to come out of it quicker and able to put things in perspective. And granted, you know, people hearing this, I mean, it's going to hurt. Yes. It's going to hurt. I mean, it's, uh, emotions are like the surf, but you know, being, getting squared away, working on that every day during the grievance process, um, it, it comes and goes, you know, like the waves. Sometimes it, it, it'll hit you and it's okay. You know, sometimes the waterworks has to go and guess what? It, it's okay. You feel like you get it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, focus on, on folks or going back to the house. I mean, folks that don't spend time getting squared away, I, I've seen it. Um, you know, I've been to enough funerals where it's all of a sudden they're just like a complete mess. And they're not just a complete mess for the funeral, but they're just a mess for the week, two weeks. Uh, I've seen some up to two, three years on social media, you know, where they're you know, it's okay to grieve and sometimes to publicize and maybe let people know that, hey, you know, you lost somebody, right? But there's a difference between that and sometimes with social media. Some people use that just purely for attention. It's totally an attention play a lot of times. I mean, yeah. some sometimes, sorry, I don't want to be an asshole and say a lot yeah. of times. Sometimes it is an attention play. Yeah. yeah. We're not saying to be, a, be an ass. It's just uh, um, somebody told me once, you know, in in – Remembering the guys that we lost, it's, there's a grievance period. And a lot of times that grievance period could last, you know, one to to three months. Sometimes it could be a week, but it comes time where you have to honor them because this is what most people that pass would want you to do. 
They don't want you to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. They don't want you to all of a sudden be a completely useless potato, sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing or sit in, in bed all day because, you know, you're depressed because then it doesn't become about you or I'm sorry, it doesn't become about that person. It becomes all about you. And that's, you know, sometimes when you get these, uh, these posts that, you know, you're wanting people to feel sorry for you or, oh, I can't do anything. And it's, you know, five years later, I mean, come on, you know, would that make that person proud? Would that honor that person? No. Yeah. And, and we talked when, when I just walked in here, the, um, we don't have a strong history of ceremony in our country. We don't have in our, in our society, right? Like we have weddings, we have birthdays, we have funerals, but we don't have a really strong history of like, you know, like the Irish wake, right? Like the idea of the Irish wake. And I think there's a lot of societies that do that, that do death a, a ton better than we do. And I've had this conversation with a friend about, um, at some point, right. We have a lot of baby boomers right now and the baby boomers oh, yeah. are boomers are, that's going to be one of the biggest, you know, sad to say it, the biggest death population over the next 20, 30 years. And, uh, I was, I was thinking that there has to be, there has to be a better way to do funerals, right? Like instead of the stuffy flower ridden churchy style funeral home, right? Yeah. What if we did a celebration of life funeral home where it is literally a party? You know, it's good. There's going to yeah. be some waterworks. It's going to be sad, but it's a party. You know, we, we tell stories, we have some drinks to, you know, remember who the person was versus feel, you know, feeling bad and, and, and talking about, and, and talking about the, the, you know, the pain. Yeah. Let's, let's remember the, the awesome times from yeah. these people. And, and can you imagine if you were, you know, let's say you're, let's say you're 75, 80 and you're starting to think about that, right? Like you're starting to think about planning your own funeral. And that's the, one of the most powerful things to know that you have that planned and paid for. Like, all right, we've got, you know, I've got the casket, I've got the burial spot, I've got the celebration of life funeral home. I've got the, you know, the, the, the song playlist, I've got the half barrel paid for like whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, like, yeah. like it's just a, you plan, you're planning your last party. Basically you're planning, you're planning your last awesome birthday party, but it's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, I, I, personally for me, I don't need a casket, you know, I'm like, well, cremate me. Yeah. You know, I, I remember Take me to the ocean. I remember somebody, um, I don't remember who it was, but they went in and they were talking about, this might even been in a book and they were talking about, all right, I need to pay for stuff because I need, you know, I don't want my kids to have to deal with it. And they're like, oh, well, this is the cheapest casket we have, sir. And it was like a thousand bucks or something. And he's like, when John Doe dies on the street and the cops bring him in from the morgue and you have to bury him, what do you put him in? I want that one. <laughs> right. Like I don't need put them in anything furnace, fancy. And yeah, that that's, you know, some people have a, some people have a weird thing with, with uh, the cremation, um, you know, uh, cement vaults, cement, cement, uh, even the cement burial chambers that you put the casket down into. Like I remember somebody talking about that and they were like, well, I don't want worms to eat me. And I'm like, do you realize the nastiness of the parasites that are going to eat you if you if the worms don't get you first? <laughs> exactly. Like, I'd rather have bigger right. bugs eat me just in the dirt. Yeah, you're now not, not going to be fresh. No, <laughs> there's no, there is no positive uh, curve to that whole deal. And, there, and there's some awesome stuff coming around. They're doing burial pods where you get buried like under a tree. Basically, your body nourishes the tree for the first you know how many ever years that that tree is available or alive. Wow. It's you basically they bury you in like this this. The lack of a better term plant bag under a tree that gets planted <laughs> and then the tree's roots grow down and oh. use your nutrients in the soil. I mean, there's so many yeah. different cool things. Well, that's what my mom wanted to be buried on my crab apple tree, her ashes to be under there. I'm like, ah, uh, but if I'm not here, yeah, that's, <laughs> the next 10 years, that's I'm not going to pull that off. I mean, yeah. you can pull a little bit, right? Like a little bit to, yeah, to make I her happy, I, you know, do that. Yeah. Cause that's the cool thing with ashes is like, you can still Sprinkle keep, you a little can bit keep here. some, you can do some here. Like you can honor a lot of different wishes. Yeah. And I think uh, going back to what you're saying with the, the shrines. So, you know, I just learned from my auntie, they're like, well, you know, make sure that you have a picture of her. I'm like, yeah, I got pictures of her. And she's like, well, no, you have a picture of her. And then you have a, uh, for, for Chinese, you have the incense 
and I think they're called Jotty Incense Sticks. Is there a special kind? Yeah. Okay. So I went to the went to the Asian market. I picked up a you know like eight hundred pack for five bucks, and you're supposed to burn like a couple incense sticks in the morning and a couple at night, and um, you're supposed to you know bring flowers and then basically uh, uh, leave some fruit in a dish next to the picture. So it's kind of like an everyday. You're almost like taking care of the plant. You're taking yeah. care of the the fruit. Don't eat the fruit, I guess, because it, you know, supposedly, it, however mystically, takes on a bad flavor. Oh, but sure. Whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean, to I mean, me, and, I'm if like, you, and if you leave fruit out, it's just going to get rotten. Yeah. I mean, let's just face exactly. it. <laughs> so you know, I'm not an ancestral worship, but you know, like we just talked about, you know, before we started the podcast, like, but yeah, that's uh, something we don't do here in the states. I mean, half the time we're putting our folks in a, you know, old folks home and then you forget about them. Right. Yeah. And, um, over there, you know, a lot of times the, the kids will live with the, uh, the parents take care of them. I mean, they don't, there's really no homes in communist China. And then, uh, when they pass, they have little shrines and the holidays are so, so much different here. I mean, here they're so commercialized. We just passed what Valentine's day. You know, Hallmark made probably, you know, gajillion dollars and then uh, whoever the florists are too. Yeah. And um, over there, they have 120 holidays in, in China. And uh, coming up in April, there's like um, April 15th is a ancestral um, honor day or holiday. Tax day, day here. What's that? Tax day here. Oh, 17th, yeah. Or 16th, yeah. Yep. So that that week basically everybody prepares and they celebrate and they feast and then they go and they visit their the burial site or wherever they scattered the ashes in communist china right now wherever they scattered the ashes which you know my brothers want to scatter some ashes in a garden overlooking you know her house so that she can quote see her house um and then there's another one around halloween it's called the ghost or whatever holiday whatever it's said in chinese it's almost like the uh, Hispanic Day of the Dead. You know, you worship your ancestors. And then in October, I'm going to try to make it up for that, is um, is the same thing as kind of what's happening in April. It's kind of the honor your elders. So a lot of these, I mean, none of the, well, most of them aren't Hallmark holidays. Nobody's capitalizing on it. It's literally put into the culture to honor and remember, you know, these folks have passed away. Well, and, and how much does that do um, to improve the culture when you know that you're going to kind of live on forever, right? Like yeah. what, what's, what's the saying you die twice the day that you take your last breath and the day somebody says your name for the last time ever. Yeah. Right. Like that's, and it's, and you know, and what does that do for a person? It, I mean, I feel like it's going to make them be a better person than what we have here where it's like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like we have this kind of shallow surface level chase the buck type of you know oh, yeah. mentality in our society and it's like the only th- I'm, I'm just trying to what like either buy the most stuff and die with the most toys or i'm trying to like you know leave the biggest impact financially on my family you know like yeah. there's got to be a better way to do that yeah i mean there's it's a lot about respect yeah you know there's no you know big houses big refrigerators anything a lot of it is um, about family and you know, I say a lot of bad stuff about, you know, communism. And this has nothing to do with communism. It has to do with culture. Yes. So if you're walking around uh, China or Hong Kong, and let's say you're walking in the park and there's uh, three benches out in the park, um, there'll be little labels or signs posted next to that park bench to remind young people to let your elders sit down first. Or if you're, you know, walking down the stairs... Um, I think I took some pictures of it when I was out there. There's like little signs or little labels that say, you know, if an elderly needs help, you know, going down the stairs, make sure that, you know, it's a reminder to yeah. to help your elders down the stairs yeah. or help them down the, uh, uh, it was an escalator I was going down. So, you know, it's something we don't have here and maybe that's something that, yeah, we learn and adopt. And, and I mean, we don't have very much culture here period right like i don't if it could be because we're our society is so young you know when you think about the age of our society we're, we're at 600 years right yeah for united states um 500 years whatever 1492 i'll do the math later um we haven't and and we're also a we're a melting pot 
we're a bunch of different cultures that have moved here and not really adopted one kind of central um, central culture. And that could be because of the youngness. That could be just because of how our country was founded. Um, but I think that I think that there's something that comes with that sort of um, respect that could drastically improve, right? Like somebody our age that's been raised in the United States today is not going to pick up um, habits like that and it's not going to change them at at their core, right? It's not going to change their values. But someone that is born into that and then raised in a capitalist country with culture and respect and values, I feel like that culture and that respect could curb a lot of the negative things that come from overzealous capitalism and could balance out a lot of the problems that that you do see in an open market capitalist society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you say that the, you know, overzealous capitalists because we're not saying anything bad about capitalism. No, no. Um, anything, anything is bad out of balance, right? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not praising communism because basically when I'm there, these people don't have anything else. So it's, it's a lot easier to focus on those, those other things that matter. Um, but I think I feel like a Japanese culture is a good example of a culture that has a lot else and also has strong values and culture like that. Right. Yeah. From what I see from the outside, I don't open, know. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lot more of an open. I wouldn't I don't know if they're capitalist exactly, but yeah. um, a lot more of a well-balanced version of kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. They prove they can do it, but they're also pretty small. 100% technically small whatever yeah. you want to call that compared to us um, yeah it's you know I'm talking about communist China I mean some of this you know I just you know I dedicated to my mom and you know her journey over in communist China you know she, she's a woman mm-hmm. being a woman herself doesn't you know play very well she was married twice uh, divorced twice and um, none of it was her fault uh, the guys she was with were unfaithful and, uh, um, you know, tried to take her money and she was on her own and she became a woman that started her own business. She started a, uh, um, modeling agency. So when, I, you know, when my mom was young, she was a model. She sent me a bunch of these black and white pictures and a lot of the modeling I saw was, you know, the alcohol. Yeah, of course. Model. So <laughs> kind of like the Bud Light girls. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Except I think it was like the, you know, probably like the Jack Daniels style. Yeah. So a little more classy. Yeah. <laughs> if that's anything. Well, yeah, I get it. And, uh, you know, she had a side hustle and her side hustle was uh, collecting gems. So she was a jeweler on the side and, you know, she learned to be, she was sharp right until the end. You know, she turned 78 on February 4th and the last conversation we had, which was uh, the Thursday night. Um, before she passed on Saturday night, um, she was, uh, kind of laughing at me because, you know, my kids all have 5g phones and I'm still on the iPhone 10 4g. And she said, she just got her 5g phone. I'm like, you're 78 years old and you're giving me crap about, you know, 4g and 5g having the slow phone. Yeah. And getting, you know, getting technical about it, but that's how she was. And she's always, uh, um, you know, tried to teach me about gems you know, right up until, you know, the last day and she talks about politics, but she kept her mind sharp. And, uh, yeah, I just been amazed, you know, a lot, there's a lot of 70 year olds here that just want to be comfortable sitting out in the garage and just watching, you know, cars go by. And then when you talk to them, they're like already mentally, you know, fried. Well, and it, and it seems like, I mean, it's going to be the, it's going to be the harder. It's going to be the brain that's going to take you out. You're yeah. going to, you're, you're either going to be, you're either going to be jello in your brain and your body's going to be just fine or your body is going to, it's not going to be able to handle it and your brain's going to be sharp up until the end. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's with hers. She was so in tune with her body that she, she knew something was wrong. Yeah. And she was, uh, you know, she, she griped a lot about Western medicine and she griped a lot about, you know, communist, uh, you know, medical free healthcare. 
you know, was basically shit. And, uh, um, but she took care of herself real well, but she had a, I think she had a good inkling. She was going to be, she was going to be going. She talked to me about, you know, getting ready with her, you know, her, whatever you call it, her death planning. Yeah. Estate, estate planning. planning. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it all lit up within three weeks, you know, Wow. then she was gone. But, you know, I mean, just what, what a, you know, squared away person. And I've only known her for uh, three and a half years. So for those of the listeners that don't know, it was, it was a miracle because when I came to the U.S., I came with my dad and my mom and dad had split because my, my dad was not the you know best human being. And um, my mom met somebody else. They got married and then he didn't want to have, you know, somebody else's kids. So they had their own son who is still in Hong Kong. He's the one I'm working through to get all the details, you know, sorted out. Um, but then, yeah, when we came over here, my dad had passed away when I was young and then, uh, you know, we rolled through the system and up in a home where, and, and I understand having kids myself now is that, you know, they had their kids, you know, and we came in, um, you know, I'm thankful we had a place to stay, yeah. you know, food to eat and, you know, learn some values and, and move on. I mean, it was a farming community, you know, what can you not learn from uh, being on a farm? Yeah. Right? So, and then, uh, yeah, it was decades later. I mean, I prayed for, you know, meeting my mom someday because I had year and I didn't know what it was like to have a mom. And I thought it was the coolest thing because, yeah, sometimes I'd sit there at a mall, you know, here's this kid that I didn't want to be seen by anybody else, but I'd sit in a mall and I'd be just watching parents, especially moms with like little kids. And then picturing what that would be like being that little kid and having a mom. And or being in college, you know, when your your buddies, you know, their parents are like, hey, we're coming up. We want to take you out for coffee or something. You know, I'm like, what's that like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or in all your events to look over and see your, you know, have a set of parents. You know, and there's something about moms that I don't know what it is. It's got the nurturing. It's the it's the nurturing and it is the um, it's the love without any without any condition right it's the it's the mom you do something bad and mom still looks at you and with that loving eye right like dad's disappointed you know he loves you but he's definitely disappointed when you look at him mom is sad that you made a mistake but she's still hugging you you (laughs) know it's like that whatever that is 100 percent. yeah that nurturing unconditional love yes and and yeah and i watched that for years and then uh yeah finally my my sister-in-law who's from Macau, uh, uses this app called uh, WeChat because that's the only app that they use in, in China because everything has to run through their VPN so that they can screen everything that you're saying. So, you know, if you step wrong or say something wrong, you're going to lose some social credits. And, um, you know, she found her. So there was a little bit of vetting back and forth because we weren't quite sure what was, you know, I think each side was cautious. Mm-hmm. And then finally we met and that was uh, 2018. Wow. So it was pretty recent. And uh, yeah, that was an answer to prayer. And then after that, I pray is like, you know, I pray she stays alive long enough so that I can, you know, meet her in person. And get to know her. Yeah, and get to know her. So yeah, it worked out where April 2019, I went over there and, and we met for the first time. We spent, you know, four days, you know, together. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I can't, you know, I can't tell you how amazing that is. And that's, that's where, you know, I get to where we talk about, you know, gratitude. I mean, people are like, well, you only got to know her for so long. I'm like, yeah, I got to know her for so long. Exactly. That's versus, a, per- that's a perception thing. Yeah. Versus, I mean, what if she passed and I never got to meet her in person? What if I never got to meet her and she passed before we even found her? You know, I mean, I got a little taste of that. You know, I'm this Big six foot, 230 some pound kid. And she's just like this five foot two little tiny, tiny little fragile old lady. And I was still, man, I was like a little puppy next to her. You know, I was like, oh, hey, can we get, you know, some uh, red bean dessert? And she takes me to this diner and I'm, I feel like I'm just this Hulk puppy <laughs> sitting in this booth next to her. And she's like, yeah, get my son, you know, uh, what he wants. And it's like, it was a, it was a freaking best feeling in the world. 
you know, and that's why I tell people it's like, yeah, I, I went through this, but you know what? Those of you that have the moms or the dads or the loving parents, uh, whether they're split or together, you know, um, it's like you said, if you're sitting on the shitter, text them, say hi. And I'm starting to learn that even, you know, self-reflecting this week is like how much I appreciate when my kids, uh, respond to a freaking text. Yeah. hundred percent. I got a daughter that responds right away. My, my son, I'll send a, a text I might not hear from for a week <laughs> and then he'll answer that. So that how text was this that week? Was back yeah. There, yeah. And, uh, and that's fine because that's, you know, yep. it's that age must be the twenties, you know? Yep. So, but I, I can't stress enough how, you know, how important having those, uh, loving parents are. And I can't describe the feeling. I don't know what that is, Yeah, but it's, uh, it's unlike anything. And, you know, anything that I accomplished in life, I remember used to tell people this is a, you know, everything I accomplished career wise, you know, crazy stuff, you know, I would have traded that all in to have that experience for my whole life. So those that have that parents don't take that for granted. It is right. Like this is, this is the journey that we see in every Disney movie ever three quarters of the dramas it's 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 this taking what you have for granted until you lose it or almost lose it and then there's the hero's journey back to you know the dad that almost lost the family coming to realize that the family is all he ever needed or or the you know the 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 child who who wanted the parents to go away because they were so mad right it's it's the the home alone story like this this archetypal story this underlining archetypal story is in so much of the media that we consume as far as the stories the 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 novels the movies it's everything it is you know you are you take for what you have for granted it gets to a point where you almost destroy what you have before you realize it. And then it comes back around and you understand it. Well, what's the better way to do that? Well, the better way is to to take everything that you have and be grateful for it. Right. And I think that, I think that with this podcast, I got to look back and see if we've done a gratefulness podcast. I don't know if we have, if we, we've talked a lot about it. We, but I yeah. think that, I think it would be a specific, you know, a good one to really get mm-hmm. to break down into what gratefulness is, the science behind it, how it affects your brain, how it affects your emotions. Um, but anyways, I think that, you know, I put up a post this week on Instagram and it's just a neon sign. It just says, these are the good old days, right? Yeah. Like, one day we're going to look back at this time right now and something's going to change. Something's going to be changed. Your kids are going to be gone. Your spouse is going to be gone. Your parents are going to be gone. Something is going to change. And you're going to look back and be like, oh, those were the good old days. But yeah. did you did you live in that moment? Were you in that moment realizing that love that you had or that that foot that you had or, or whatever, right? Like, oh, I don't, you know, we talk about materialism a lot, right? Like, oh my God, I, I wanted to have, you know, so-and-so car. I don't have that yet. Yeah, but you, you, you have this. You have oh, yeah. the car that you do have. You have your wife. You have your kids. You have so much. Who gives a fuck? about you can you can be grateful and sit in a place of grace and a place of acceptance and still be good at what you do and strive for more but you can't be emotionally connected to needing more yeah and that's a big with the you know the stoic podcast we talk about that a lot is accepting growth but not needing growth yeah and i, I that's a big that's a big growing area for me I'm, you know, currently in this transition to trying to find that, trying to, trying to become really comfortable and really grateful in where I am, not always judging myself on my growth. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you don't see the growth until you get in that area of gratitude. I mean, gratitude produces humility, you know, gratitude produces, you know, that peace, you know, gratitude calms the storms, you know, gratitude gets you through grieving, you know, and that's, it goes back to the parents thing too, is like, 
you know, why honor them when they're dead? Mm -hmm. You know, why not look for ways to honor and respect the parents when they're alive? Because you know? then not only are you honoring them for you, they're getting to feel it too. Yeah. They're getting to feel that all those happy chemicals. Yeah. And they're going to feel proud of you. Yeah. Because they raised you. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's the best thank you to your parents is by, yeah, just, just honoring. And uh, one thing that kind of wrap this back around to your solid foundation and the four pillars, right? Like when we're talking about squaring away that foundation for the storms like this, right? The rattling storms like this, whether it be death or loss or whatever it is, um, all four of those pillars are, are, are imperative in that. And if you don't think they are, then the next time you are, you're emotionally damaged. The next time something happens and you are emotionally rocked, whether it be loss or you're just having a really bad day, go find a gym, do it in your basement. And I don't want you to do 10 pushups. I want you to do some sort of cardio that is going to make you feel like you want to fucking die. Whether it be a hundred burpees or 20 wind sprints. You know, this is all going to depend on your physical ability, but you need to do something around, you know, 10 to 20 minutes that makes you feel like death and then sit there and your lungs are going to be gasping for oxygen so hard. Your stomach is going to hurt. Your head is going to hurt. And in about five minutes, all of that's going to settle down and that dark cloud that you had over your entire brain is just going to fade and the sun is just yeah. going to look gorgeous and you are going to realize that, Hey, I can make it through this. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I get out of those sessions is when I'm in a bad place, when I'm in a really dark place and I have one of those sessions, whatever it is for me, it's usually a sprint bike because it's, it's just, it, it's just how I kill myself. Yeah. It's that 15, 20 minutes after, and everything settles and you're just like, life is good. I'm alive. I got my health. I got my family. Yeah. So if you think that all those pillars aren't imperative in, in getting you squared away and being able to handle grief or trauma, realize that they all are. They, every one of them has a backbone to that foundation. Oh, yeah. No, and that's, that was so important. I think the first couple of days I just had to be, I felt like I needed to be off the grid. And sometimes I just had to sit in pure quietness, you know, whether you call it meditation, you know, I had to pray a lot and, uh, you know, really evaluate myself, you know, instead of having just people around and noise and commotion and distraction, um, just really dig deep to yeah, basically to reset yourself and get yourself right so that, you know, I could get to a point of, you know, gratitude. Yeah. And, and that was quick. I mean, right away, it was just like, you know what? I mean, it's, I'm thankful for the little time I had. And was, those are the best little memories. And, uh, you know, I'll do my best to live uh, so that my mom will be proud of me right now. And that's all I can do. You know, I think that'd be great. You know, we do a, a session on gratitude. Um, there's a good book out there, Life Changing Power of Gratitude, mm -hmm. Mark Recklow. Yep. Have you read that one? No, I won't, but I will before we do the gratefulness podcast because I'll probably consume a few books before we do that so that I'm able to yeah. understand it more for myself, really, is 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 the depth. That's what I love about these podcasts is when we decide on a topic that we're going to do, I, I dig deep and I learn so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the on the Christian side, you know, when they talk about prayer, you know, one of the things I remember is uh, um, ACTS. So when you pray, the acronym ACTS is, you know, A, adoration. So when you're praying, you know, you're praising God. Uh, C is confession, confessing your sins. Uh, T is giving thanks, you know, and they say that, well, once you get to about three to five, you know, things that you're thankful for, because S is supplication, right, requests. Um, once you get through, you know, giving thanks, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I really don't have a lot. I really want to ask for it because I have everything that I need. 
And, um, you know, that's where we got to get to the point where it's, you know, like you said, aren't you guys practicing like every day? What are you guys thankful for? You know, the five things you're thankful for that day. Yep. Because once you get past that, then you know what? It, it sheds a whole new perspective on your day. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that would be a good one. Awesome. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up. Is there anything else you want to cover? You got any in your notes? No, I think we covered it. And uh, yeah, like I said, for, for me, it's, it was a week that I wanted to sh- kind of share with everybody at that how important it is to be squared away uh, when going through the grievance process. And um, to come out of, there is a book, uh, Grievance to Gratitude, or Grief to Gratitude. Um, I did see that, and I tried looking up a few videos with that Julie Kramer, and it, it was tough. I couldn't find any that had good good yeah. meat in them. So maybe the book would be a lot better to try to get through, but yeah. I just tried, you know, high spot in a few videos and I couldn't find much. She's a little bit new agey, but a little new know, agey. Yeah. The yeah. concept yeah. of, you know, converting grief to gratitude yeah. um, is, is natural. It should be how it is. If I've listened to Eckhart Tolle, I can listen to anybody. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. That, that's a, that okay, was a tough yeah. one. That, that yeah. was a tough one to get through. Yeah, so she's pretty much like your, uh, you know, yeah, witch doctor. Yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> I like, I believe in universal energy. You know, I I believe in a lot of that stuff. Like, if, you, if <laughs> there's so many times where so, where you feel something, right? Like you feel something, you sense something, and then all of a sudden, like it happens, and you're like, oh, like that that didn't just magically happen like that. Like there's something else going on here, right? Like, because I've used this, I've used this analogy before. And after this analogy, we'll, we'll cut this off because we've, I'm, I'm rambling now, but <laughs> if, you're if I asleep. handed you, right. Yeah. Right. If, if, if we had two way radios, right. But you didn't under you knew nothing about the two wave radio technology. I just handed you a two wave radio and I walked to the other room and I started talking to you. That would seem like magic, right? Like, cause you don't right. know anything about the technology. You'd be like, right. this thing is not connected to him, but and I don't see any connection. Right. Because you can't see the yeah. radio waves coming in. Yeah. Right? I've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. Have I used this on here before? I don't know. No, I've heard it somewhere else. Okay. So you can't see the two wave radio, you know, the, the radio signals coming in, but you're looking at it, you're like, this box is magic. Yeah. Right. But then once we are able to, once we are able to see the science behind it and you're like, oh, okay, these these radio waves go through and then this box picks up the signal. Well, there's no saying that there's not a lot of other signals out there that are happening between you and me and between the universe, between plants, between everything that there's a lot of other waves of signal, waves of energy that we just don't have the ability to see yet. Yeah. Right. Correct. And yeah. so there's 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 a lot more going on in this world than we want to think there is. Yeah. That was that was the only reason I, that, that was my analogy, the reason behind my analogy. <laughs> and that yeah, that's basically like faith too, right? Yeah, kind of. There's a lot that we don't see. Yeah. That we don't know. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. That is a wrap. Hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll catch you next week. Peace.